Well, greetings to everybody out on, uh, on, on Facebook Live. I'm Father Sean. We're here with our, uh, our Wednesday night. People are, people are here that aren't on Facebook Live. After I introduced myself, people started chuckling. Um, but maybe there's somebody out there that don't, doesn't know who I am and they want to send me some hate mail. So, um, my name is Father Jedediah Tridal and address <laughs> <laughs> is 309 Perry Street in Wampakoneta. So, anywho, um, <laughs> a rousing start, huh? Uh, so, yeah, so this, we, uh, as you probably know, we haven't had our normal Wednesday nights. We haven't been able to, to gather. We have so many catechists, so many adults, and even some of our youth on quarantine isolation that we've got to do things a little different tonight. So uh, tonight, we're just going to have a little talk on the rosary. The rosary is kind of an Advent thing, or at least Mary is always an Advent person. There's, there's a couple figures that always uh, come pretty prominent in Advent, Mary being one, John the Baptist, we're going to hear in this Sunday's readings, and then Isaiah, we read from the book of the prophet Isaiah a lot in Advent. So, um, yeah, so that's basically what we're, what we're going to do tonight, just talk about Mary. Uh, a couple housekeeping things. If you have a question and you're here, uh, feel free to raise your hand, and then I'm going to invite you to come to the microphone because uh, that way it'll go out onto the stream. If you're watching the live stream and you have a question, you can just type it in. There is uh, people behind the scenes who are taking down your questions that will ask it. Um, there might just be a person, not people. So <laughs> shout out Grace Weatherhead. Um, all right, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we give you so much uh, thanks and gratitude for the ways that you continue to interact with us. We thank you for the gift of the rosary. ask that you may be with all of those uh, watching tonight and listening, that they may grow in love and devotion to Jesus Christ through the intercession of Mary. And we entrust this time into Mary's hands as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is kind of something new that we're trying with the, the parishes to have things that people are can come to or that are live stream. Like we've done a few live stream stuff. It's actually been a little while other than mass. So we're just going to see how this goes. Who knows um, if this will be successful. You never really know what technology is going to do and if sound works and all of that. But anyways, trying something new with this. One thing that's not new is this talk. This is what you called recycled material. So in October, I was invited by the young adult group in like uh, Mercer and Shelby and Ogles and dark counties called Quo Vadis. Uh, they called and they wanted me to give a talk. And my initial reaction was, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't have time for that. Um, and so they left me a voicemail. I heard that. And I had my no prepared, right? It was like, no, I got too much stuff going on, blah, 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 busy, whatever. And so, uh, but I did think, cause you know, you at least got to pray about it a little bit so that, you know, you're not doing something you're not supposed to. Um, and I was like, well, if I was going to talk, what would I talk about? They called me like the second to last week in September. I was like, Hmm, October's coming up. October's the month of the rosary. That'd be kind of cool. I'm still going to say no. And so I called the guy back the next day. I said, hey, this is Father Sean, just calling you back. And he said, uh, and, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, we'd love to have you. And I was like, all right, 
if I was going to speak, what would you want me to talk about? Can you guess what he said? The rosary. Yeah, we got a smart crowd here tonight. I'm sure everybody at home knew that too. But so because he said that, I was like, I guess I have to do this. And I was like, I don't have time to prepare, but whatever, God, you can do this. So that's what I talked about. And um, I wasn't booed off the place. So I figured, huh, maybe I'll recycle it. And here you are, everybody here for the recycling. Uh, so we're going green tonight with recycling a talk. In case you're a book person, these were kind of the books I used. Um, there's one, so in 2002, I believe, John Paul II wrote a letter about the rosary, and it's entitled in Latin, Rosarium Virginis Maria, with, or Marie. Um, for all of you Latin scholars out there, do you know what that means? The rosary of the, of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, we got, some, we got some Latin scholars here tonight. Uh, the other one is one by Dr. Edward Sree entitled Praying the Rosary Like Never Before. That's kind of cool. And the other one is by Father Donald Calloway, entitled Champions of the Rosary. There's a lot of good history in this one. So, uh, so that's kind of the, uh, the sources. Now, the other source is like my own personal experience, which, don't get me wrong, isn't a whole lot and is nothing compared to what these three fine, fine people, you know, one of them's a saint, two of them could be on their way, and then there's me. So my personal experience is going to be about down here. If you're on the screen, I don't know if you can see how low that is, but let's just say it's down it should be near my ankles, but whatever. All right. So that's where we're coming from. And my own experience with the rosary is not like monumental, right? I, I didn't come out of the womb holding a rosary in my hand. I don't know if anybody's story is that, but um, as, a, as a family, we'd pray the rosary sometimes. We didn't, we weren't like every day praying the rosary as a family, uh, but we would if like we would, um, I remember every Good Friday, we always went uh, and prayed before the abortion clinic in Dayton. So there was, there was always that praying the rosary there. Um, and then before mass, I always remember there was, uh, we would get in in like the middle of the second or third rosary, you know, get the same seat that we always sat in and, you know, we'd finish the rosary with everybody else. And, um, that was, those were, those are kind of the most, the ones I remember more than anything else of those times praying the rosary. Um, but there were great examples. Like I know my grandma and my grandpa always prayed the rosary pretty regularly, probably every day. And maybe more than anything else was walk. If I woke up early, which, you know, when you're younger, waking up early is like 8 a.m. Um, you'd go downstairs and see my mom, not downstairs. We were all on one level, but I'd see my mom on her knees praying the rosary or reading the Bible. So that was always, that was always an important experience. But it wasn't really part of my day-to-day life. It wasn't part of what I did every day. It wasn't part of, you know, my life as a Catholic was to pray the rosary until I needed something, right? I really needed something at one point in my life. And I thought I needed it, but, I, you know, I'll let you be the judge. So my senior year in high school, I was, um, I was going to the University of Dayton. And as I'm going to Dayton, my dad worked there, so I got free tuition. The motto around the house, does anybody know this? UD or you pay. So I was going to UD because, and um, as I was going there, I had a friend who I was very attracted to. And her mom was applying for a job at UD, her mom, and which meant if her mom got this job, she was going to transfer after a year at a different school and come to UD. So that year for Lent, my senior year in college, prayed the rosary every single night before going to bed. And that just, like, that's what Lent's all about. It's about instilling a habit, right? It's not just doing something and then saying, all right, 
I'm done. Let's move on to some more sinning like I was. But it's actually to, to build that habit. So I, uh, I prayed the, the rosary every day, Lent, my senior year. And then I just couldn't stop, right? That's something that once it gets in, like that's just what I did before I went to bed. You pray, pray five decades of the rosary every night before going to bed. Um, and then that, that continued as I went to college. And even my senior year, I know graduation gift, my dad got me a rosary. Uh, dad, if you're watching, I don't know what happened to that rosary. Um, sorry, dad. I know the gift. It was the only graduation gift I remember. So thanks, dad, if you're watching. If not, um, well, I, I, then you're not watching. So... <laughs> But it was, it was that that really like set me on the path towards, towards the priesthood because I got to college and I just praying the rosary every day and I would pray it laying in bed because I th- like as the lights were out because I thought my roommate would think I was weird. Um, but looking back, I don't think my roommate would have thought I was weird, but that's neither here nor there. So I just kept praying the rosary and it was that that really kind of began like this, even the stirrings of a vocation was, it wasn't until I started praying the rosary every day. So, um, don't pray the rosary if you don't want to know what God wants you to do with your life, whatever, whatever that may be. But you fast forward. So I was praying this so that this, uh, this young lady, her mom would get the job. And wouldn't you know, her mom did get that job at UD. So I'm leaving to go to the seminary and she's transferring in. So God answered my prayers. Her mom got this job. She came to UD. I thought it was we'd just be happily ever after and ride off into the sunset. No such thing happened. I well, because here I am today. You know, you know how this story ends. Um, yeah, and a lot of people have stories like this, right? A lot of people have stories about the way the rosary has got them through a difficult time. Maybe it's somebody's parent uh, is dying in the hospital, and there's these moments of praying with their parents. I know when my grandpa was dying in the hospital. I actually just heard this story on Thanksgiving that once somebody went up to him is like, hey, grandpa, or I think it's probably dad. I think it was one of my aunts. Do you want to pray the rosary? And there was just the, the, like the, the nod of the yes. My own personal opinion of that was that my mom has, she's one of seven girls and he just didn't want to hear the dot, 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 anymore. And he just wanted to pray the rosary. Now, again, I hope none of my aunts are watching this. So I love you. <laughs> We shouldn't do this live stream stuff. This is dangerous. I can't talk about my family as much without the possibility of them watching. Um, That's not going to stop me for the rest of tonight. (laughs) (laughs) But people have issues with the rosary, right? Not everybody is like gung-ho, like, woo, rosary time. There's all sorts of issues with the rosary that people have. Some people say it's like too Catholic, right? We're focusing too much on Mary. We should be talking about God. We should be talking about Jesus. The rosary is, is not good. Even Catholics think this, like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable about admitting I pray the rosary because I got non-Catholic friends and they just look at me funny when I'm getting out these beads like I'm some sort of, uh, I've got like a, I got like a superstition or something like that. So it's not very ecumenical, right? For people of other faith that don't have anything really uh, kind of to say about Mary, it can be a little sticking point. The other thing is kind of this mentality that like everything's about the mass, right? The mass is the source and summit of Christian life, which it is, right? The mass, it doesn't get any better than the mass. That's where we journey to the sacrifice of the cross, heaven and earth come together. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not things that flow from mass, right? Everything, there are other parts of our Catholic life other than the mass, which 
I think all of us got a huge dose of this the past year. I couldn't tell you how many people I talked about talked to that said that those moments when they couldn't come to mass, when uh, things when things were shut down, like the rosary got them through those difficult moments. Like praying, I actually I got to I got to join a family on their nightly zoom call they pray every night like five households got together to to pray the rosary and so they they gave me the zoom link one night and that was pretty cool so uh so just the rosary i think in this this time it wasn't the mass right it's never as powerful as the mass but there was something there that i think it got people through just the pain and the difficulty of the shutdown Another issue with the rosary is it's boring sometimes, right? People just say, well, you're just saying these same Hail Marys 53 times, just running through it. And it's like something that's monotonous. It's going to like put you to sleep or it's just boring. It's repetitive, anything like that. Uh, it's dry. It's, it, you know, it's not a prayer from the heart. It's not coming from, from within. And that means it's bad because it's just, you're just praying the same thing over and over and you lose meaning. Uh, we'll get to that later, but. There's, there's, a, there's a beauty behind kind of the monotony of the rosary, and maybe monotony is not the, the right word, but maybe just the repetitiveness. The other thing is just like distractions, right? I think every one of us struggles with distractions, whether it's the rosary, whether it's at mass, and especially when you do the same thing over and over, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what, like, do you just get bored, you get distracted, whatever it may be, um, that that's part of, you know, the mind wanders and you're like, what, what mystery of the rosary are we on or how many Hail Marys? I've, and it's amazing though, you get, dis- you get, oh, excuse me, uh, you get distracted and, uh, but you're still praying the rosary and you still move your fingers. Like, I don't know how that works. Like, that's something powerful in the subconscious that you can still keep, keep going on the rosary and your mind is just like, I don't know, still on the basketball court or something like that. Maybe that's nobody else. I don't know. Maybe Shane, are you still? No. Ah, darn. All right. And then sometimes one of the last issue with the rosary is we feel bad that we don't love it more, right? We feel bad that like, oh, I, I, I grew up Catholic. I, I, everybody taught me how to pray. And it's like, I should be better at this. I should know what I'm doing. I should actually like the rosary, but I don't. And that makes me a bad Catholic. Like we get our whole guilt trip going and that's never a good thing, right? That whole, that whole mindset will take us nowhere fast. So those are like the issues, right? It's not good for, relations between Catholics and non-Catholics. It's not the mass. That means it's just way down here or it's too repetitive. It's boring. We get distracted. We feel bad that we don't love it more. So those are all the issues. The good news is the rosary didn't just fall out of the sky for us, right? God actually gave us this gift of the rosary. And you can kind of see when you look about like how the rosary came into being, there was like, it just didn't show up all at once. And it wasn't just one guy that was really smart. It was almost as if God was like building these building blocks to the rosary. Somebody once compared it to like crafting a sword, you know, and there was the hilt, there was the handle, there was the, the, uh, Blade. Yes, thank you. Man, this is great. All right, so there's these building blocks for the rosary because even you think about what are the building blocks of the rosary, the first one's the Hail Mary, right? We pray the Hail Mary 53 times with the rosary. But the Hail Mary, it, you know, half of it's scripture, but the other half's not. Like it took time for those first words, right? The first words are just scripture. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And that's straight from the angel Gabriel coming to the Blessed Virgin Mary and announcing that. And that's so important, those that initial greeting, because as Gabriel comes to Mary, he's inviting her to the, the world never being the same. He's inviting her to redemption, to salvation. So that first line is huge. 
And then we get, and then what, so we've got that line, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then the second element gets tagged on, right? And that's Elizabeth. You remember as Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, she says, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And it was in as early as the 500s, those two lines from scripture got combined, which is really remarkable that it was 1,500 years ago that they bumped those two things together. And then probably about another 500, maybe 600 years, the, the kind of the response came after that. Anybody know the response? Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And the kind of, some people, and this might be true, it might not be. So when that came together, there was a, a plague at the, going through Europe. So pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death is, uh, was actually really kind of important for the time that that was developed or the time that that all came together because, well, people were dying. And, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, of just a similar situation, right? The number of people that have lost their life to this here virus. So, so we've got that, right? The first piece, this Hail Mary by 1100 is ready to go. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And you know the rest of it. Uh, it gets put together, that first building block. And then the second one, right? The Our Father. We pray the Our Father, what, six, six times in the Hail Mary? Everybody knows where that came from, right? That comes from Jesus himself, right? The Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus gives us. That's the second one that comes together. And then there's like prayer beads, would be like the third element of the rosary that's coming together. And prayer beads have kind of a, a, a interesting history because it started with pebbles. People wanted to keep track of how many prayers they were praying, so they had pebbles. And sometimes you would have your pebbles and you would move them to one side to the other to keep track of how many prayers you had said. And then somebody, I think, strung pebbles on a bead and they're like, oh my gosh, this is way too heavy. We can't be carrying this many, this many pebbles in our pocket. And so they decided that they would just use, you know, the beads came together, you know, small stones, whether you knocked them down or whether you just found the, the little ones that you could. And so there's evidence that even by the 400s, St. Jerome talks about praying with prayer beads. And it probably started with our fathers, but that they would like um, crusaders in the 1100s, they, they use prayer beads to count their our fathers. So like prayer beads show up. So this is like the third building block, right? We got the Hail Mary coming from scripture. Then we've got the Our Father coming from scripture. And then prayer beads come into use uh, definitely by the 1100s, but it started hundreds of years before that. So it's just like God's building all these pieces together as he's working on his masterpiece. I was trying to think of a construction analogy, and then I realized I don't know anything about construction. So, uh Sorry. Uh, all right. And the fourth, the fourth piece of this is what's known as the Psalter. So there are 150 Psalms and they're all in a book and we call the book the Psalter. Now monks still to this day, or probably not many of them still to this day, would pray 100, all 150 Psalms in one day, that they would pray the Psalter. They would go through and pray all these 150 Psalms. But then they had a little issue because not everybody could read. So what do the ones do that they can't read? Well, they just have to do all the dishes while the other monks are, are praying. But, um, but they would start to pray Our Fathers. So there would be 150 Our Father beads. And they're like, oh my gosh, 150 beads, that's a lot. And then they started to break them up. Well, let's just do 50 beads three times. Like, oh, how many, ro how many Hail Marys are on a 150? Wait a minute. How many? All right. You know where this is going, right? <laughs> 10 decades, 
15 mysteries were the original ones, 150. So, uh, so that's actually, that's kind of how this all kind of, um, all this grows, right? In the, the Marian Psalter, they would use 150 beads to recite the Our Father 150 times for the ones who weren't literate and couldn't pray 150 psalms. All right. So we got all the building blocks. And I know I was a little haphazard going through that, but we've got the Hail Mary coming together. We've got the Our Father. We've got the prayer beads. And we've got praying 150 psalms that just gets turned into Our Fathers, Our Hail Marys. Right, The stage is set by 1100 for the rosary to show up. And one should know, then the rosary shows up, which is great. So there's this great saint, Saint Dominic de Guzman, who's a Spaniard. And uh, he actually, he's got a great story. So the story is that his mom had a vision while she was pregnant that she was pregnant with a dog and the dog had a torch in its mouth. Now... If you've ever heard a song, there's a song, we were talking about this beforehand, by the hillbilly Thomas called I'm a Dog. It's about St. Dominic de Guzman. And can I legally sing the refrain on Facebook Live? Huh? Okay. Um, I'm told that I shouldn't, but that wasn't very definitive. So the, the, the refrain of this song is... I'm a dog with a torch in my mouth for my Lord spreading fire while I got time. Oh, what's the next line? Anyways, I'm a dog by the hillbilly Thomas. They're not paying me to advertise, so you know it's genuine. <laughs> so Dominic becomes a, uh, he becomes a, a priest, and there's this nasty heresy going on in Spain at the time of Dominic de Guzman that is called the Albigensians. And the Albigensians hate like the incarnation. So like flesh and blood, they were kind of like the matter is bad, the spirit's good. So all that we got to do, like our, our bodies are terrible and we just have to live in the spirit. And that like grew like wildfire, right? And it's terribly wrong because Jesus becomes incarnate, right? Jesus takes up flesh. He becomes one of us. He uh, enters into humanity. So it's just, it's wrong. And, but it was spreading like wildfire all over Europe. And Dominic's like, this is bad. Like this is, this is leading people astray. Like people aren't appreciating the fact that God became man and uh, we got to do something about this. Dominic is a learned man and he's a gifted speaker. So he says, I got to preach about this. And he goes all over preaching against the Albigensians. He's got this fire. He's got great skill. He's incredibly intelligent. He's just tearing apart their arguments. And so as he gets to this and he preaches so much, nothing happens. Like literally hardly anybody converts. Nobody comes back to the true faith. And you got to imagine, like he poured his heart and soul into this and how disappointing that would be. So in 1208, Dominic goes on a retreat and the Blessed Virgin Mary appears to Dominic and says, preach about the Hail Marys, preach about this rosary. And she kind of puts it all together. Oh, sorry. Um, she puts it all the pieces of the rosary together to met, to preach about. She t- and it's not just, he doesn't, she just doesn't tell him 
to pray the rosary, right? Just not to pray the Hail Marys and meditate on those mysteries of Christ's life, but she says, preach about it. Like, tell others to do this, and this is going to be the cure. Like, you're not going to win all of these arguments. Tell them to get to know the rosary, and then that is actually going to convert them. So it takes on like this, this apostolic, like this is, this is what the tool they're going to use to go out and cure the world of this heresy. And it's going to draw you closer to Jesus. So, so it's, she basically lays out the rosary for him as we know it, right? Meditating on the mysteries of the rosary in groups of 10 Hail Marys and then going around for the 150 Hail Marys. So. She, get, she gives it to Dominic. It's just, a, it's an incredible thing. Um, it wasn't called the rosary to Dominic. It wasn't until a, uh, a Franciscan in like the 1400s wanted to do something, wanted to give Mary some roses. And she says, pray this prayer. And he's like, okay, that's my roses. That's the rosary. So that's how the rosary gets its name is it's, it's the roses for Mary. Unfortunately, as things in the Middle Ages sometimes got, the rosary almost gets forgotten right? They go through terrible, dark, you know, you think of the dark ages, and it, it wasn't as popular. It lost its popularity. Things kind of, uh, things kind of wane away. There's great saints that came up. Uh, Blessed Alan de la Roche, I think. Is that right? Can you help me on the French? The French? Is that good? Did I do good? Thanks, Alex. Alex Seminary knows French, so he's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, We have more issues, though, right? We got saints coming up. The issues are in the 1500s. The 1500s, of course, Christianity becomes divided. This old fellow by the name of Martin Luther comes up. Lutheranism, the Protestant Reformation, the revolution there happens, and things fall apart. Martin Luther... Not a big fan of the rosary. He called it, uh, what did he call it? The repetitive prayer of the Pharisees. So he kind of hated the rosary. Um, that's his loss, really. Um, so, but there's a bunch of saints that went out, like Jesuits, Dominicans, and uh, St. Philip Neri went about preaching the rosary and growing his popularity. But things as Christianity, like internally, is like fighting, you know, Protestants, Catholics, they're going back and forth inside of Europe this looming threat comes from outside of Europe, and that would be the Turks. So they were mostly Muslim. Turks, maybe they were all Muslim. And in 1570, they are like coming on like a freight train, coming and just overrunning everything in their midst. And they're like, oh no, this isn't, this isn't good. So 1571, Pope Pius V decides it's time to do something about this. So he begins to muster an army. Isn't that great? The Pope could muster an army. I don't, I don't know if that would happen anymore. And maybe it wouldn't be politically correct for him to do it, but it's kind of cool. And he, so he begins to do two things. He gathers an army and he tells people to pray the rosary to help in victory. And eventually, he appoints this guy by the name of Don Juan of Austria to lead the Christians. And, um, and he prepares this fleet. So they're on the Adriatic Sea. If you know your geography, we've got Italy as like a little boot coming down. And then you got Greece on the other side of the Adriatic. And so in that Adriatic Sea, a naval, a naval skirmish? No, it's battle. It's definitely a battle. Comes, uh, comes afoot. 
And uh, as they're preparing, he tells everybody to begin to pray, to begin to fast for a victory. And he tells the whole world to pray the rosary. Every man got a rosary. So that was Pius V was going all in on the rosary. And uh, on October 6, 1571, the Pope prays a public rosary in a convent. And so it's very well known. The Pope is praying for a victory. And, uh, And the Muslims, the Turks, really should have won. They had more boats. They had better trained soldiers and they had their their soldiers. They had more sailors, more skill. They had more of everything. And so they meet on October the 7th, 1571, outside of our, off the coast of Lepanto, Greece. And this battle of Lepanto ensues. And of course, the winds are also in the Turks' favor and the winds begin to blow and they look like they're like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be a slaughter. But of course, you know what happens? The winds change and all of the sudden, and there was a fog that, that fell upon the Turks and it was an absolute total victory for the Christians. Just absolute, uh, nobody could deny that they won. They turned the Turks back and basically saved all, all of Europe. And uh, Pope Pius, as you could imagine, attributes this to Our Lady of the Rosary. And so he dedicates this chapel in Venice. And above the door of this chapel in Venice, it says, neither valor nor arms nor armies, but Our Lady of the Rosary gave us victory. And the cool thing is that, so he's like, we have to celebrate this day. October the 7th has to be a day. And they actually, the feast day was Our Lady of Victory, which is so cool that it's, she was victorious for them. So he calls it Our Lady of Victory. Now we call it October 7th as the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. I think Our Lady of Victory was a fine name, but they didn't ask my opinion. Um, if you ever play a sports game, you know, and you want to have this little chant, right? I always like to yell, Our Lady of Victory, pray for us, right? Before victory. And then you yell, Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for them. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 hopefully that got some dead laughter at home too. Pity laughter. That's what that was. Pity laughs. All right. So we got kind of, there's kind of like the two important features there. St. Dominic, as he preaches the rosary, it's about knowing Christ better, right? These heretics didn't know who Jesus was. They forgot him. They didn't know the mysteries of his life. That's an important thing, knowing Christ. And then there's also this other part of intercession, right? Of praying a rosary for something, for a cause. And we hear that all the time, right? Praying a rosary to, to, you know, <laughs> have a girl's mom get a job, um, or any, anything else. And this, so this whole aspect, I just want to sit with a little bit on how the rosary helps us to know Jesus. And this, you know, this talks, I think it's called pray the rosary, learn the gospel. So, um, I have a, many of you know, I have a brother and a sister-in-law and actually two parents and a niece and a nephew down in Georgia. My brother, after college, moved down to Georgia uh, to get a job. He wasn't playing a violin or anything like that. Um, and as he, did you get that reference? No? Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, Josh. And uh, so my brother gets this job. And he eventually meets, who's now his wife, he meets Amy, his, uh, his wife. And I vividly remember the first time she came back to Ohio. So the first time I met her, we were down in Georgia. But then eventually she had to come back and meet the family. I want to say it was a Labor Day weekend in 2000, I don't know, maybe 12. No, 11. Uh, 
no, 10. Oh my gosh. Josh, you're getting old. Um, no, it was 11. Anywho, so she comes back. I am tasked. We live in Vandalia, which is just near the Dayton airport. So I'm tasked with picking up my brother and his girlfriend from the Dayton airport. And as I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is her first trip to the great city of Vandalia and actually the great state of Ohio. What is the most important thing that she needs to do as soon as she gets off this plane? I got it. She's dating my brother, who's a police officer. She needs to go to Jim's Donut Shop in Vandalia. If anybody's been to Jim's Donut Shop, you know it's the greatest donuts ever, ever. If anybody says Bill's in Centerville is better, I will fight you in the parking lot. Bill's ain't got nothing on Jim's. So anyways, we go, pick him up from the airport, go to Jim's Donuts, eat the donuts. She has like an epiphany that these are the greatest donuts known to mankind because she's a smart person. And then we take her, get her, you know, and we got to go home and we make like, I grew up like four blocks from Jim's Donuts. So they say a good house is all about location, location, location. It's true. Um, So we get home and my mom, my mom um, had her own plans on what's important to show uh, my brother's girlfriend the first time she comes. And it was so embarrassing. We get back, and in the living room floor, my mom has pulled out the photo albums. Like, first trip, let me show you the baby. Like, Mom, I'm not wearing any pants. Like, why are you putting those pictures out there? And she's just, oh, Amy, come on, you got to see this. And, of course, she's showing off my older brother. Like, this is when Josh had this big old Afro hair in the... 10th grade, and we thought it looked so cool, and we named it Petey because it looked like a dog. Um, I really hope Josh isn't watching. Uh, Yeah, so my mom had all of these pictures showing off her son. And as I think about that, I think that's what Mary does in the rosary, right? Nobody knows Jesus like Mary, right? Nobody knows his personality. Nobody knows how much love he, he shed. Nobody knows just how much he loved or the truth that he said or the courage that he exemplified except Mary. And so I think what, what, um, what the rosary is, is basically entering in to Mary's vision of Jesus, And I think we forget that oftentimes, right? The rosary just becomes this like monotonous, repetitive thing because we've forgotten this human element that Mary knows Jesus and she wants to introduce us to him just like my mom wanted to introduce my sister-in-law to my brother with her own perspective. And I think this might be one of the issues, like we've forgotten this. And this might be one of the issues that that we face. And even like Paul VI in the 19... Uh, either 60s or 70s, wrote this. Without contemplation, the rosary is a body without a soul, and its recitation runs the risk of becoming a mechanical repetition of formulas. Right? Like we forget that... that We we forget like the meat, the, the, the soul of the rosary is Mary showing us our Lord. And you even think about that one line that just shows up a couple times in Luke's gospel. Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Right? Mary watched all of these things that happened in Jesus' life. You think about Mary watched the miracle at the wedding feast at Cana. 
and what her insight would have been to that. And she wants to share that with us. And maybe there's no, at least in film, there's no more powerful um, example of this than the passion of the Christ. Like if you've ever seen Mel Gibson's movie about Jesus's death and passion, you can't help but just be in awe of how Mary is portrayed. And there's that scene as Jesus is being scourged at the pillar where Mary takes off her veil and begins to like sop up his blood. And you think about like, as we pray that mystery, the third, um, the third sorrow, or the second sorrowful mystery, the scourging at the pillar, like Mary wants to show us that. She wants to show us the depths of Jesus's love right there. And she's at all of these events. She had a front row seat. And so what she, what we do in the rosary <coughs> is we enter in to Mary's prayer. It's like we, we enter into her heart. Her heart is full of Jesus. And she shows us who he is. She shows us what his life means for us. And you, we hear, like, and her whole life is pointed to Jesus. Even at that, the wedding feast at Cana, right? She says, do whatever he tells you. She's always directed towards Christ. She's not, you know, as people say, like, we're worshiping Mary. It's like, no, we're just going to Mary because she knows her son better than we ever will. And so we, we want her to introduce her to us, or introduce him, have her introduce him to us. All right, got the pronouns right. There's a great, and it also helps us to become like Christ. So one of those early, early um, promoters of the rosary said this, and this is just a great quote. Just as two friends frequently in each other's company, they'd too develop similar habits. So too, by holding f- familiar conversations with Jesus and the Blessed Virgin, by meditating on the mysteries of the rosary, and by living the same life of Holy Communion, we can become similar to them. Which is great, like hanging out with Mary in the rosary or praying to Jesus, we actually become like them. And that's part of the goal is to become Christ-like, right? St. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And we can only do that by spending time with him, like two friends. I mean, you, you, as you spend more time with people, you begin to be able to imitate them. You begin to be able to kind of mock them. You can like imitate their gestures or their tone of voice or, or just all of their mannerisms. And if we spend more time with Jesus and Mary, we can begin to do that too. Because you even look at like these building blocks, you look at the Hail Mary, the center of the Hail Mary is the name of Jesus, right? Because that first part from scripture, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, the center. And then the back half, Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And John Paul II calls the name of Jesus the hinge upon which the whole Hail Mary is built. Like it's the center, this very crux of everything that the rosary is, is this recitation of the name of Jesus. It's the center of it. And maybe maybe you had the, the great joy over the past, I don't know how many years, of going out to St. John in Freiburg when uh, one of our parishioners was leading the rosary, uh, a man whose, um, whose name, well, Let's just call him Mr. Kinsel. Mr. Kinsel would pray the rosary, and he had the most distinctive way of praying the rosary. He would say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. I am not exaggerating. That is what it was. And at first I was like, that's a little strange. But when you realize, like, yeah, the name of Jesus is the center of this, is the center of the rosary, he's on to something. Granted, it was a bit theatrical, but I love it. And, uh, may God bless Mr. Kinsel. He's, 
um, great man praying the rosary a lot. <coughs> so the rosary, right, centered upon Jesus. And the title of this talks: pray the rosary, learn the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's these 20 mysteries, right, of the rosary, the 20 mysteries that start from the Annunciation, flow throughout Jesus's life, and, um, and get to the, the coronation of Mary in heaven. And we call it a compendium, right? It's like the gospel in miniature. And we all like things to be summarized. It's like a summary of the gospel. Another a summary story about my brother. Maybe you've heard this. My brother, I, I got a, my brother got me a, my college job. My college job was the greatest job ever, and it was to deliver mail at the University of Dayton. So uh, I remember my first day like it was yesterday. Um, the mail comes in, and then you have to sort it, right? And some of the mail is perfectly addressed, and there's like digits on there. You know exactly what office it's going to. But some of it would just say like, let's just say Professor Joe Smith, University of Dayton. Like, Huh, there's so many professors here. How am I supposed to know where they teach? And my brother would just look at that piece of mail and say, oh, they're, they teach sociology. Or, you know, it'd come out for this. And it's like, oh, they're the, they're the vice, they're the vice, you know, administrative assistant of biology. It's like, how do you know all this? And he just did. He had incredible memory. So that's one thing to know about my brother. He's like incredibly competent of anything that he does. Right now he trains. He's kind of like a, I don't know what his title is. He might be a captain on the police department. So he trains other cops. He's like their supervisor. He's always been extremely competent in all that he did. Um, he was one of like a world-renowned soccer ref, at least for like, you know, Six, sixth graders. Um, but me, on the other hand, I played 12 years of soccer and I didn't pass the referee exam. But so my brother is the competent one. I am not. So we get the mail sorted, right? My competent brother gets all the mail sorted and then you'd put it in these sweet little golf carts and then you'd go and you'd go to all these different offices, right? You'd go to admissions, take their mail, go to, uh, you know, mechanical engineering, drop off their mail, go to the research lab, drop off their mail. And I followed him because I had to learn the route. In every single office we went into, this was what happened. Oh my gosh, you're Josh's brother. We just love him so much. He's always so nice and kind to everybody. I hope you're just like Josh. I was like, oh, oh, it made me sick. Like they just, it was so syrupy and sappy. And my brother's blushing like, ah, oh, it's great to work here. Like, oh, Josh, I'm going to kill you. Um, and he's going to kill me because he might be watching this. Um, so my brother's competent. He's also extraordinarily pers- personable. Like nobody makes as good a first impression as my brother. And then he's, he's a, he's a good, like, mentor. So you get the mail back, then, you know, you give them their incoming mail, you take their outgoing mail, and then we come back and we go to this postage meter, and you'd run the mail, right? You gotta weigh it, you gotta put in the zip code sometimes if it needs a little extra postage, if you had to run it priority mail, you know, you had to put the stickers on it, give it that, all international, the whole bit, he knew, he knew it all. And so he was very patient with me, right? He, he let me go on the computer and he's kind of stand by. No, you hit this wrong. You got to do that differently or good job, whatever. So he's a great mentor, right? He does this with the cops now. He's always, he's always uh, helped other people along. So I remember that first day 
And uh, yeah, got my brother, was taught me how to live this, jo- do this job. He was great. And uh, my dad also worked at UD, so we hitched a ride home with him. So we, we got in the car, and my dad said, well, how'd the, first day, how'd the first day go? I said, oh, it was great. You know, we did all this. It was pretty straightforward. I, you know, it'd be a good job, it, enough to keep you occupied, but not enough that I'm, like, breaking a sweat. And my dad said, oh, that's good. Guess you're going to make it home fast, right? Wh- what are you talking about, Dad, that I'm going to make it home fast? Evidently, as I was sitting there at the postage meter, my brother had this trick where he could take the priority mail stickers and flick them in such a way to almost cover my back with priority mail stickers. So I was going out priority that day, to which my dad thought, you're getting home fast. Um, So my brother is mischievous, right? Like that one story of my brother, the fact that he's competent, he's personable, he's mischievous, he's a great mentor, like that's enough to know him. Like that's enough. Like that's a pretty good outline of my older brother. Um, so it's a little compendium, like a little summary, and we all like summaries. And that's what the rosary is, right? The rosary hits all of these highlights of Jesus's life. Born in Bethlehem, he's presented in the temple. He um, he's transfigured on Tabor. He's scourged at the pillar. He ascends into heaven. All of these highlights of the life of Jesus are hit in the rosary, right? It doesn't tell all the stories. It doesn't go into depth about the Sermon on the Mount. It just kind of briefly hits the proclamation of the kingdom, which makes the rosary so so wonderful, right? It's like a miniature gospel, but we still learn we still learn the gospel through it. We still learn Jesus by hitting the highlights in uh, meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. So there's all that about knowing Christ. There's the stuff, the rosary is great for, uh, for intercession. I mentioned that a little bit, right? This battle of Lepanto, wanting this uh, girl to get her mom to get a job, wanting, um, you know, praying in front of the abortion clinic, praying for our country. I don't know how many people were praying rosaries. I think they're still praying the rosary every day at uh, Immaculate Conception, every day at 10 o'clock, be there uh, for the country, because that's a good thing. But we can't forget about this contemplative part of the rosary, right? The rosary can't become just mechanical. It can't become just something that's um, without any depth to it. Because as Paul VI said, it's like a body without a soul. But the rosary is really brilliant. I mean, there's so much wisdom. There's so many great things about the rosary. And I just want to hit a couple of them. What makes the rosary so um, so brilliant? And the first thing is it's, it's flexibility, right? You can... Pray the rosary anywhere. I mean, it's like carrying a chapel with you wherever you go. It's like you got two and a half minutes, you can pray a decade of the rosary. You got, you know, you got 20 minutes, you can pray a whole rosary. But you can pray the rosary in the church. You can pray the rosary out while you're walking around town, which is one of my personal favorites. You can pray the rosary in the car. You can pray the rosary, you know, my younger brother was in a submarine for four years. He could pray as many rosaries as he wanted as long as, you know, he wasn't neglecting his duties on behalf of Uncle Sam. You can break up the mysteries of the rosary, right? You can, if you're <clears throat> sitting at home and may, you know, whatever, you got a snow day or maybe you're homebound, you can pray all 20 decades of the rosary in one sitting and just cash in that hour, make it the greatest hour ever. Or if you're staying at home raising kids and you all you have is two and a half minutes in the morning before the kids start crying, you can pray a decade of the rosary. So that's the, the brilliance of the rosary is just how flexible it is, right? It, it can be used in so many different ways and it's not, it's not um, so constrictive that you have to do it this way or in this place or you have to do it for this amount of time. So that's, that's brilliant. Another thing that's brilliant of the rosary is the senses, right? We, you know, we've got five senses and you get 
at least three of them. If you're really kind of saintly, maybe you get a fourth, right? So you hear, right? You hear, so the, the prayers, you pray them out loud. You can hear them. That helps to pray. But also you, um, you feel, right? To touch, touch the, um, touch the, uh, the, the beads, that kind of that tactile, right? We're physical people. Um, it's, it's great for just kind of keeping you focused. And then also the sight, right? If, if you pray in front of an image or you have like a little booklet that has the different mysteries of the rosary, you get to see the, the mystery and it's kind of lived out um, in front of you. I say four if you're like really holy. I hear people who say their rosaries begin to smell like roses. Um, this smells like metal and cheap plastic, but um, maybe yours begins to smell like rosary, roses. The fifth sense, taste. I don't recommend tasting a rosary, especially if you have small children. It's not the best to, you know, keep a rosary where they can swallow it. So three, maybe four out of the five sentence, senses, I, I wouldn't recommend tasting your rosary. So so that's, imp- so, all right, it's flexible, the rosary, it, uh, it hits the senses, but then the repetition, I think, is actually a really good thing, right? It's like, if you've ever been on a boat that's just slowly kind of going up and down, or you think about like a, a mom, like caressing her child and just, you know, that little bit of flow that I think if we get the rhythm like that, as we're praying, it actually really supports our prayer. It does... <laughs> Sorry, uh, I saw something I can never unsee in the past week, and uh, and it was about caressing a child. Um, I'm gonna stop. Uh, so the 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 like the flow of the rosary, it's almost like a heartbeat, right? Listening to this bum 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 bum. That's the 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 53 Hail Marys. That it's not supposed to be like a mechanical and monotonous. It's actually supposed to be something that kind of keeps the flow of prayer going. And then, of course, the, um, the Our Fathers, everything's directed to the Father. The Hail Marys, praying those words of Scripture, the glory be, all of our life is like coming to the, it's about coming closer to the Trinity. All right, so how do we make the rosary? This is kind of, we're almost, we're almost wrapping up for those that got questions or something better to do. Um, how do we make it more meditative, right? How do we make it more contemplative where we're actually focusing on the ways, the mysteries of the rosary? Well, first, just to keep that in mind, right? Just to know that that's supposed to be the soul of the rosary is about this, this encounter with Christ uh, through Mary's eyes. But there's, uh, and, and so that might be one. Secondly, to have an image of the rosary in front of you. Um, these, those booklets with all the different images, just to keep that in front of you, to keep an eyes focused. And maybe you can't focus on it for all the two and a half minutes, but at least to, to have it in front of you so you can see the action of Christ that we're praying about. So that might be one. Announcing the mystery of the rosary, right? And saying, okay, the, the first sorrowful mystery, the scourging or the, the agony in the garden. I know my mysteries of the rosary, at least I should. Um, so announcing it and then maybe having the scripture passage. And, but I think a lot of us probably know the scripture passages well enough to at least kind of hack it a, a little bit, right? So the first one, the agony in the garden. So Jesus was there in the garden. Um, Peter, James, and John, he took with them and, and he came back to them and they were still asleep. And he, you know, just to try to get, just to put yourself in the mysteries and maybe just to blurt out as much as you can if you're praying with somebody else, or maybe if you have a booklet to actually uh, read out loud the part from the scriptures of that particular mystery. 
And then the, um, the one that John Paul II, I thought this is, this is really fascinating. His suggestion, he says, at the name of Jesus and each Hail Mary, to include a little phrase associated with the mystery that you're praying. So um, we'll, we'll stick with the, the agony in the garden. So Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus agonizing in the garden. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us. So to do that with each each of the mysteries, to just have a little phrase to kind of keep that mystery on the tip of your mind, to keep the life of Christ and the the mystery present, um, and that is a um, I've I've started doing that since I read that, and it it keeps it's amazing how much more focused I am in the Rosary, and even to the point of. <coughs> Uh, a couple times, I might have said this in a first communion homily. There was one day I was praying the rosary and walking outside. And I almost got hit by a car twice in one day. So um, don't hit the guy in a black dress walking through town praying a rosary, please. And I'm so convinced by this, that this is helpful to pray the rosary, to have the scripture, to have an image, and to have a little phrase that I decided, you know, oftentimes we give out Christmas books to our parishes. Maybe it's Matthew Kelly. Maybe it's something by Dr. Edward Sri. This is actually going to be our Christmas book this year, is a little guide. It's going to be very simple. I think a lot of rosary guides are way too complicated. They have too much there. Um, so we compiled it ourselves. And by we, I mean, uh, I just wrote stuff down and then Grace Weatherhead fixed it. So uh, that's the goal. That's this year. Coming at Christmas is a little guide uh, to pray the rosary. Just simple picture, scripture, and the little phrase to add halfway through the rosary. So um, those went to the publisher Monday, I think. Yesterday. They're printing right now as we speak. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, Christmas is coming. All right. Um, so last thoughts, fruits of the rosary. What are some things that come to us when we pray the rosary? Like what are those good things that come from the rosary for us? And I'm just going to pull from some other, some other wisdom and the first one is from John Paul II about peace. If you don't know the story of John Paul II, when he was two, his mother died. And he, when he was, I think, 16, 15, 13, his father died, somewhere around there when he was a teenager. Um, and then he lost his older brother too. And he lived through the Nazis coming into Poland and the communists after the Nazis. So he had a tumultuous life. And he says this, from my youthful years, this prayer has held an important place in my spiritual life. The rosary has accompanied me in moments of joy and in moments of difficulty. To it, I have entrusted any number of concerns. In it, I have always found comfort. The rosary is my favorite prayer, a marvelous prayer, marvelous in its simplicity and in its depth. kind of poked fun at my, my older brother a lot tonight. Um, but the very first time I went down and visited him after I went to Georgia, uh, I got to his apartment and we're getting ready to go to bed. And my older brother says to me, I'm in the seminary at this point. He says, uh, you want to pray a rosary before you go to bed? And I thought, I've thought about that a lot because I can only imagine what it was like. My older brother finishing college, going to a city that he knows almost nobody, starting a new job that you're just trying to figure out, going through the police academy, and how tumultuous that could have been and how difficult that change in his life was and how much the rosary probably got him through that. And so that's so it happened for John Paul II, happened for my older brother. It's happened in my life. It can happen for all of our lives, that gift of peace. 
So that's one. Um, Unity would be another fruit, I would think, of the rosary. And there was a great priest in the middle 1900s who was Irish, but he, he moved to America. His name was Father Patrick Payton. He was known of the, as the rosary priest. So he would go around and start these rosary crusades, um, all over the place. And, you know, like they said, was it like 500,000 people in, in San Francisco were gathered to pray the rosary that he led, which is just phenomenal. But he's the one that coined the phrase, the family that prays together stays together. Mother Teresa like popularized it, but he actually, she stole it from him. Anytime Mother Teresa's stealing from you, you know you're onto something. So Father Patrick Payton also said this. So he grew up in a family that would pray the rosary before, after the day's work, after the farming was done every day. And then one time he went to go help another family and they were a couple miles away. So he stayed at their home. And this is the first night um, that he's that he's there. He he writes about how I was just waiting around to go to bed because I figured the family would gather to pray the rosary. And it didn't happen. And the whole time he was there, he said, My mind was constantly returning to the same indigestible fact. They talk together, they laugh together, they live together, but they did not pray together. That one has struck me, right? And friends and people that I live with and people that I work with, like we have jokes together, we have fun together, we go out to restaurants together, but do we pray together? And Father Patrick Payton was convinced that the family rosary was the key to family unity and to passing on the faith, and I think he's definitely on to something. So peace, unity, and then clarity. And this one's just my own personal life. Vocational clarity in praying the rosary that I told you that's how I found uh, my vocation to the priesthood was praying the rosary every day. And it was kind of a backdoor, um, bad, uh, impure motive for praying the rosary every day. But the Lord can work with that, right? And he gave me just this absolute clarity on uh, who I was created to be, what he was calling me to do with my life. So So those are good things, right? We all want clarity. We all want peace. We all want unity, especially in our families. And the rosary is a great ticket there. So so that's the rosary, right? Can't help but encourage people to pray the rosary every day, what it's meant for my life, what it's meant for countless of others um, to come to know Jesus Christ, uh, to offer our prayers and petitions. And uh, it's an incredible prayer. And so, you know, pray the rosary, learn the gospel. So, And you'll get a book coming at Christmas if you come to Christmas Masses. I think there'll still be some left, but that's it. Questions. Anybody have any questions? Were there any questions that came in? No questions came in? Oh, man. Does anybody here have questions? Concerns? Related to the rosary or unrelated to the rosary? My favorite rosary of all time was August 15th, 2019. August 15th, 2019 was the first rosary procession we had through the streets of Botkins. And the number of people that showed up was phenomenal. And it was the perfect evening as the, uh, as the sun was setting and we had our candles and going through the streets of Botkins and there were blue lights on top of the cop car. It was, uh, it was one of the happiest days of my life. Now we have another question. Yes. Jill wants to know 
what advice do you have for those that feel that praying the rosary is intimidating? Oh, what advice for those that feel praying the rosary is intimidating? Now, why would the rosary be intimidating? That's, that's kind of, unfortunately, we don't have a dialogue. If anybody else can kind of get into what, it's long. Yeah. So the rosary could be intimidating because it's long. You don't know if you're doing it right. I've heard that before, you know, like now, what about this Fatima prayer? Or I get to the end of the rosary and some people pray prayers that I don't know. Um, so the, the, the long thing, the nice thing about the rosary is you can divide it up throughout the day, right? A decade, you know, if that's all you got time for, or if that's all you have the mental energy for, that's better than nothing. I couldn't tell you how many days it's like, oh man, Lord, all I've got is one decade and then I'm, I'm kaput. And, and that's all you got. So if you don't have time, if it's too long, just start small, right? You don't have to, you don't have to, like, you don't have to run a marathon before you even know how to run a 100 meter dash, right? So the same thing's true in our spiritual life. You can build up the endurance. Um, and then I don't know what I'm doing, right? Uh, as long as you know the building blocks, you can be okay to follow, right? As long as you know those, um, those, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, that's okay. And people add different prayers to the end, like some families' tradition is to pray the St. Michael prayer at the end. Great. But if, if you don't know that, I would say there's no shame in that. You know, you can figure it, you can learn more prayers, but, um, not to, not to be too concerned about doing it right or not, because it's one of the great things about the rosary is just how flexible it is, whether you've got time or you don't have any time or, um, you know, you forget what, what mystery of the rosary it is. And you can just say, all right, Lord, the, the fourth luminous mystery. I don't know what that is, but Lord, you do. So next question. What is a scripture rosary? What is a scripture rosary? So I b believe that is just, I think I've seen it two ways. So it's basically using scripture to help to meditate on the particular mystery of the rosary. So the, the book that we're going to hand out just has one kind of moderately, you know, medium length scripture um, section for related to each mystery. So there's those that's just like this set of the scripture, and then you'll pray the mystery. There are also other guidebooks, and this is where I think things, personal opinion, things get a little too complicated, where it breaks down the scripture verse in between each Hail Mary. So, you, so let's say you're doing the wedding feast at Cana. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana called Galilee. Hail Mary, full of grace, blah, 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 blah. Jesus and his mother and his, his disciples were there. Hail Mary, full of grace. You know, and it just like chops up the scripture verse. Um, maybe that's helpful for some people's meditation. I find that a little bit cumbersome. So um, I have seen a scripture rosary book like that. So, What if you feel like you never have gotten anything out of praying? Oh, what if you feel like you have never gotten anything out of praying the rosary? Well, yeah, you could say that about our prayer life also, right? We say the same thing about mass. Like, I didn't get anything out of mass. Father's homily ran a little long. He was kind of unenthused and, you know, the server was kind of not paying attention there. So what happens if, if in our prayer life we don't get anything from it? The primary thing about our relationship with the Lord, though, it's not always what we get from it. It's about what we offer God. So I offer God 
15 minutes to pray the rosary. I got nothing out of it, but he got those 15 minutes and I'm not using them for anything else. That's hugely important. To never underestimate that just because we don't feel the fruits doesn't mean that the Lord is not working, right? You give God just a little something and he can do wonders with it. Um, so to never underestimate that just because you didn't feel like you got anything out or you didn't get a brand new insight into the carrying of the cross, that that doesn't mean that you didn't get anything out of the rosary, that we can't always um, sense what we're getting. And maybe one of the last things, although I know, I firmly believe that the rosary is almost indispensable for the Christian life. Of course, there was a time when the rosary was not. There were Christians who became saints without the rosary. So it is possible. I think all of our spiritual lives have to have some sort of Marian element to them. They have to have a part of them related to Mary. It doesn't necessarily have to be the rosary. But there are a lot of saints over the past hundreds of years that have borne incredible fruit. So maybe you realize that the rosary is just not for me. Okay. But Mary is for everybody. So I think all of our spiritual lives have to have a Marian component. Doesn't necessarily have to be the rosary, but I think it's a good idea. How do you use a rosary bracelet? I don't wear, so the question is, how do you use a rosary bracelet? I don't wear bracelets. I don't know. I don't know if you like track it. Does anybody, anybody, you, so you keep it on your rosary and then you, you count it like that. It, it's a decade. Yeah. So it's one decade too. And you know, this one's got five decades. So if you want to pray five decades of the rosary, you just go one lap around. Well, if you just have one decade on your wrist, I imagine you could probably take it off, right? So it's always with you. You don't have to worry if you don't have pockets or something, you got it right there. You can take it off. Boom. You got your, you got your 10 decade or your 10 Hail Marys for a decade and you, you make five laps around that. Or maybe you take it off and it's a straight line. Ooh. Yeah. Cause you have to untie it. Huh? Oh, unwrap it. Okay. Another question. In the gospel, a woman says to Jesus, blessed is your mother who cared for you, but he responds, better to be a follower of me. Protestants say this is why Mary shouldn't be so important. How do you respond to this? Sure. So hopefully everybody heard that. It's the, the scripture passage where, um, where somebody comes up and they say to Jesus, blessed, blessed are, it might even say something as like, as um, pointing as blessed are the breasts that nursed you and blessed is the womb that bore you. And Jesus says, rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and respond. Well, who heard the word of God better than anybody else and followed it completely, Right. It was Mary, right? Mary is the one when her entire future is presented for her from the court of public opinion would have shamed her for being unmarried and being pregnant, <clears throat> says, let it be done to me according to thy word. So Mary's not blessed because of her biology. She's not blessed because she biologically bore Jesus Christ. She's blessed because she gave everything she had to the Lord. She's the one that lives that gospel. She's the one that said yes to the Lord better than anybody else. So she's blessed not because of her biology. Of course, that's part of it because that's part of her person, but she's blessed more than anything because she says yes to the Lord because she's the one, like, think about who who's at the foot of the cross? Like, there's hardly anybody that sticks around. Peter, gone. James, gone. St. Paul, still stoning Christians to death. Like, uh, none of these people are at the foot of the cross but Mary and, you know, John, the beloved disciple. So Mary believed, and it's that faith that calls her blessed. So 
that scripture passage that often gets quoted, I think actually like solidifies Mary's importance because nobody follows Jesus like Mary does. Um, so she's blessed. And I believe that's all we have. So thanks everybody who came to, to have a, uh, to have uh, your attention. It's nice to have faces. Thanks everybody to tuned in online. If my family's out there and you got mentioned, thank you for your great example or your poor example. I appreciate it both ways. Um, so this is the first one next week. Um, two things are happening next Wednesday. First one is the day of grace at Immaculate Conception. So 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., Father Jedediah and I will be tag teaming in and out of the confessional. We'll be there 16 hours. You have no excuse not to go to confession. If you don't make it to that one and you actually do have an excuse, there's another one on the 22nd of uh, December. So January, or December 9th, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., confession at Immaculate Conception in Bakken's. That's thing one. Thing two is next week we'll have another Facebook live session or you can come to the beautiful, sightly PLC at St. Joseph Church in Wapakoneta, Ohio. That one will be a little, uh, a little session with Alex Dugas, our seminarian intern, sitting on my right. He's to your left of the camera. And Angie Souls, who is our director of youth evangelization and discipleship. They both started around August here. So you'll get to know them a little better, get to know kind of their stories, what, what gets them excited and what, um, what kind of brings fire to their souls. So, um, I know they have a topic. I don't know off the top of my head, but um, we'll see you back then. So, um, yeah, Facebook Live next week. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great, a great week. Say a prayer for us, and uh, we'll be praying for everybody out there. And why don't we end with a Hail Mary? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.